Today we are talking to Nir, the best-selling author of Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and we discuss what it takes to make a habit-forming product, how it's not always the best technology that wins in the end, and acts of traction versus acts of distraction. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Dude, I love your book. Thank you. Like I, I gave a list of people who I like books of to my PR and I said, hey, get these people. I want to talk with them. And my top picks were you and Marty Kagan for user experience. And wow. I got to talk to Marty and now I get to talk to Nier. Well, thank you. I'm in a very illustrious company here. I really appreciate that. Thank you. What, what are you working on today? Like, what are you excited about right now? Uh, right this minute, I'm excited to talk to you, first of all, uh, being fully present in the moment. But uh, earlier today, I was working on my new book, which I'm really excited about as well. It's called Indistractable. And it's about uh, how to manage this world of distraction that we live in. How, what is distraction? And how do we make sure that we do the things that we know we should do? I just recorded a video literally four minutes before we got on this call called the MVP Mindset. And it was about that. And while I was recording the video, my producer, Jake, goes, uh, I just listened to Nier's talk, and he, if he could be any superhero in the world, he would be indistractable. And now you're writing you a go. book on it? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad he, he heard my talk. Yeah, I presented kind of a summary of the book. Uh, I already did a first draft, but uh, now I'm working on refining it. And I gave a first talk two weeks ago in San Francisco where I kind of presented the, the big framework. What? I was just out there for RSA. Oh, I'm sorry I missed you. Yeah. Are you in, normally in that side of the world or where are you located usually? No, I, I live in New York. Oh, yeah. So I am either, I'm in New York at least once a month. Oh, nice. Next yeah. time you're in town, let me know. Yeah. we. Oh, man. There's so many great people in New York. I'm going to add you to the list just so you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, and I'm looking to meet more because I just moved here, you know, less than a year ago. So I'm, I would, if you know any good folks to connect me to, then uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, 100%. I, one of the two people in the past, I don't know, three weeks that are really cool from New York. The CTO of New York City, Miguel. He's oh, wow. Guy. He's very connected in technology, being the CTO of New York City, as you would imagine. Right? Yeah. And then the list is, it actually, my mind's flooding so much. I'm not, I, I don't even know. There, There's at least eight. We got Bruno. He's a CTO. He was a Forbes 30 under 30, and he's a CTO of this cool AI startup that's recognizing video rendering. And we've got some food companies. Um What's the big food registration site? Do you remember what that is, Jake? Sorry, he wasn't here the other day when I recorded that episode. But we, uh, the food, some really great food booking services that are popular out there. And there's just a lot of great people. So I'll put together a list and I'll say, hey, I'll send it to you like oh, a menu. Terrific. Anyone you want to know, get near all connected. In Thank New York. you. That'd be yeah. terrific. I appreciate that. Yeah. And where, where are you calling in from? Florida. We're down in Florida. What part? Sarasota. Oh, I know Sarasota. I actually grew up in Altamont Springs, just outside of Orlando. What? That is yeah, awesome. Yeah, we used to go to Sarasota all the time. Yeah, man. The beach is nice. It's it's uh, beautiful beaches. Yeah. I was actually born here. I'm a native. No kidding. Yeah, it's a it's a like reti a retirement slash vacation town. So for it to be a native there is like rare. Very, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. Well, I uh, I come down to Orlando a couple times a year as well. My family is still all down there. 
Oh really? Yeah, my I've got yeah. a popka. My aunt's in a popka, which is right outside Orlando. Oh, no too. Kidding. That's that's where my brother lives. Is in a popka. Yeah, potato. <laughs> it's the word for a potato. <laughs> like I didn't know that. Is like, it? Yeah, my aunt told me either. one day we were driving up. I'm like a popka. What does that mean? She goes, Oh, it's it's like a word for potato. I I, I'm like, going to text my brother right now and ask him if he knows what a popka <laughs> means. Cause I guarantee you, he doesn't. <laughs> I would be so happy if my aunt was like lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually um, means. Screw you, white man, for taking our land. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I used to live for a while. I lived in Baldwin Park, which is, you know, probably like 20 minutes from Corona Bar from downtown Orlando. It used to be like a military base. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and they, they, they paved over the military base and just designed a whole cool community around it. So, yeah. All right, well, text is sent. Texas Do you know sent. what a popka means? Uh, I'm asking. By the way, are we recording right now? Or is this oh, yeah. Just- this is the podcast, by the way. <laughs> it's you right, and me hanging out. Me. Yeah, uh, I'm getting all like I'm 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 uh, all indecent here on, uh, on what we're talking about. So we can, now I know that we're we can get down to business. That's great. Oh, yeah. This is it. Because I mean, I just I had never done a podcast before. It started like the blog I was writing took off because I was giving advice and I said, well, all right, I'll turn it into a blog so I can send people the advice and not have to have 20 minute conversations with every person. Then that did really, really well. And so the blog became a book. And then before I published the book, I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I started calling CTOs of the largest companies on the planet. And I said, hey, you know, I'm putting out this book. Here's a rough draft. This is what the topics are. They ended up calling me and having these long conversations with me about the book, about that it was awesome, that that I was talking about these CTO issues and this experience. That I started recording the calls and then emailing them around as MP3s. Somebody said, hey, this is ridiculous. It's called a podcast. I didn't know what a (laughs) podcast was. So I I, I Googled, you know, I thought it was an app on iPhone, but I found out that it's like a thing. And and then I uh, did the podcast, and boom! Now we have you know seventy two thousand active listeners. Like, wow! Yeah, that's amazing. That's fantastic. So this, that's great. Well, good to know that you're recording. Thanks, thanks for giving me the heads yeah. up there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it gets <laughs> it gets some of our guests, <laughs> but it's so genuine though, too, right? It is that's because true. That's, true. that's the essence of what why people like we get a lot of we always engage our audience right very gary v style we're always asking people what's going on you know what do you want us to cover and one of the things they like about it is is just people talking about technology and and life and i mean how how long ago did hook come out by the way how long ago was that book published so i self-published it in 2013 late late 2013 and then it was uh professionally published uh in 2014 late 2014 nice yeah it's it's yeah so it's been a while now it's catchy the the color is catchy the graphics are catchy i actually saw it on my friend derek he's a cto i saw it on his bookshelf and it was i was like what is that he's like oh it's really great you gotta you gotta check it out so i took it home flipped through it checked it out i was like this is brilliant and this is you know at least 2015 ish 14 15 nice yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. There was a, there was a lot of thought I gotta say put into the title and the the book cover, and it's it's a lot of psychology that a lot of folks don't don't realize. But I'll give you some some secrets. Yes, please. Um, one, yeah, one secret is the color. Uh, you know, yellow. If you if you notice the warning signs uh, when you're driving on the street, and the and the, the the you know whenever you see signs that you really need to see, the super important ones are always in yellow. So yellow, we know is is the is the uh, is a color that attracts the most attention. But then there's also this other trick to the book that um, 
Uh, I don't, I, I haven't done any quantification of this, whether this actually worked, but if you notice on the cover, there's, um, there's a, a mouse cursor, yeah. uh, or not a cursor, but the, well, the arrow uh, that you see on a Mac. And that was actually very intentional because I knew that the, the majority of people who buy my book, you know, you're not going to buy it in the bookstore. Most people who buy my book buy it online. They buy it on Amazon. And so we know that your eye is trained to look for that little arrow. And so when my book appears at the bottom of, you know, customers who bought this item also bought such and such, the fact that there's that little arrow on it draws your eye to my book. So I love it. Yeah, a lot of psychology behind it, but uh, oh, oh, I, maybe that's why the book succeeded. I don't know. It's not what's in it. It's just all about the cover. That's it. Yeah, the content's like that doesn't matter. Meh, it's the cover. It's right. No, but but I like your yellow thing. I my book the cover's yellow. And there you go. I came to it on a different way. I looked at the shelf that a book that it would be on, and everything was like blue and greens, and so I just picked a color that stood out amongst all the books that would be next to it. Yeah, so what, what do we do now? Because now I feel like everybody's, uh, you know, using yellow. Yeah, we changed uh, I feel it like up. it's become saturated. Yeah. yeah. So what, what, what color would you publish your book in now if you were going to publish a book? I would definitely invent a color. Invent the color. Okay. Yeah. I would do like, I'd be like the, I, like a mirror finish maybe. Oh, there you go. So you could see yourself in the book. There's the psychology for that. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. That's cool. Just, make it like yeah. a bright silver book. Right. Yeah. Right. Like there's like, I remember the Guinness book of world records in like 99 had that reflective cover on it. I don't know. Just mm. for some reason that flashed in my head. The color of Bitcoin or something. There you go. Are you into Bitcoin? No, not really. No. I mean, I, I, I bought a little bit, uh, not Bitcoin, Ethereum, but, uh, I, I try and stay out of stuff I don't know anything about. And it just seemed like there was way too much either, either, either it, it, it you know, the, the, the people who proposed uh, that I should buy more and more either had something to sell me uh, or I had to, you know, turn off half my brain to understand why, why I should buy it. So I decided to just invest a very little amount for fun, but yeah, I don't, I don't know much about it to, 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 to speak intelligently. I try and focus on habit forming products. That's good. You're the, you know, an expert in the area through all the research and experience and you're investing in a bunch of companies as well, because you're like what picking them out. You're saying, Oh, this meets the, the credentials this meets the the litmus test it's like these are the products that will form habits so i'm going to invest in them is is that how that comes about yeah yeah i think you need to have an investment thesis when you whenever you invest in companies and so that's my little niche you know i i don't dabble in products that that don't have that element because that's where i think i can offer value to the companies that i invest in uh and so i i do these office hours every week that people can call me actually on thursday today anybody can call me they just have to book time with me in advance on my on my calendar through my website and uh i talk to four companies uh over the course of an hour somebody gets 15 minutes and they you know a lot of times companies will either pitch me or ask me a question or you know they read the book and they don't understand a particular topic and they need my help with it so uh about maybe two companies a year out of the hundred or so I talk to, uh, hundreds I talk to, uh, I'll, I'll invest in when I see something special. So that's typically how I get my deal flow. Yeah, I know a couple of them too, obviously. Oh, yeah. Eventbrite, Product yeah. Hunt, Seven Cups. I knew that mm -hmm. one. Um, I really liked what they're doing. I actually am a uh, president of a charity, so that's how I came across them. But And then Anchor.fm. Yeah, so yeah, I just met I with the Anchor guys about two hours ago. They came by and uh, we talked about their product, and they're doing great. That's a really, really cool. Speaking of podcasting, they're they're doing really well, right? And is Gary V involved in that company? I don't know, actually. I mean, I know he uses Anchor quite a bit, but I don't. Yeah, know he if talks he's... about it a lot. Yeah, I I don't think he actually is, but don't don't quote me on that. I'm not I'm not sure. 
you you'll be quoted. Yeah, we're gonna quote you for sure. That's gonna be the title of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Near swears, Gary. Gary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, no. I was I was hating on myself a minute ago because I the this awesome guy I talked with last week from New York and he does the reservation system that's growing. They're like growing rapidly. But Gary V's his business partner. And, and so that's who I wanted to introduce you to because you had the connection with anchor FM and I was like, Oh, that'd be really cool. But I'll, I'll figure, I'll look in my show notes, um, after the show and get you his information. Terrific. That'd be great. Thank you. So, all right. Your day, like everyday life, what's it like right now? So my everyday life is, is pretty boring by and large. So I wake up every morning at seven o'clock. My alarm goes off. I cook breakfast for my wife and my daughter. That's my morning task. And uh, I don't eat breakfast in the morning, but uh, I get them uh, the food they need. And then I go off to the gym. Uh, I do about an hour of exercise. I come home and typically I have a friend of mine, an author friend, uh, who we co-work together. So they come over, I have a little home office and we sit down and we write for a couple hours. And um, uh, we're done by around 1130. And then I have lunch. And then the rest of the afternoon is reserved for consulting or um, sometimes some further writing or these calls I take with readers uh, or emails, et cetera. So I only do about two hours a day of writing, but I try and stay consistent with it. Uh, so I do a little bit every day. And then uh, unless I travel, if I travel, then all bets are off. I do about two yep. speaking engagements per month where I do workshops, whatever. Uh, so then you know, all my routines and habits go out the window. Yeah. The, our mornings... I are very similar, right? So I, I wake up, my wife makes me breakfast, which is awesome. But I, I do something very important and I play with the giggle monster, our seven month old little girl. So nice. oh, well, congrats. She's, that's awesome. Yeah. How old's yours? She's nine, nine, nine months or years? No, nine years. <laughs> oh man. What's going yeah. on in a nine year old's life right now? Oh, it's a lot of fun. So we we homeschool, so I get to spend a lot of time with her. So uh, two afternoons a week, I have time with her where I either uh, spend an afternoon with her. We live in New York City, so there's lots of stuff to do here. We go to museums, we go to uh, parks, and uh, I'll take her to she has she does rock climbing uh, once a week, so I'll take her to that. It's a lot of fun. She's like at that age now where she is just a sponge for information and uh, loves to learn new stuff. And, uh, we, we have some great conversations together. So she's awesome. I, I really enjoy her. How's, how's nine month old life. Okay. So we just got through the whole finding her feet, putting her feet in her mouth and like being excited about feet now where I'm trying to pull myself and stand on everything. So I can't even hold her. She just wants to stand and crawl on me. She's standing up on her own when she's, when she's got an edge to hold on to. And man, just so many giggles. I love oh, it. that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we're, that reminds me, we're, we're now moving into headstands. I'm, we're trying to both learn how to do headstands and handstands. Uh, so so we're, we're, I'm trying to get a, I have this list of physical uh, physical feats I'd like to do by, by uh, the end of my life. And so one of them is I want to be able to do a handstand and my daughter does, we wants to do the same. So we've been practicing that. So this is what you have to look forward to. It's much, yeah, it's, it, I love it. Like the sound of it sound, and it's much smarter to do it now because if you were to do that, like at age 80, that would be much more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's annoying how much easier it is for her to do it. Right. Like we've both practiced the same amount, right? Every day we'll do a little bit more and I'm, I'm way behind her. She's, she's, she has no problem doing these handstands and I'm still struggling. She's also closer to the earth. 
That's true, and weighs a lot less. So there's uh, force equals mass times acceleration. So when she, she falls, it doesn't hurt as much as when I fall. Right. I love yeah. the I love the 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 physics there, and the, oh, dude, you're <laughs> geeky like me. So for the people for the people who who don't know, I want you to touch like the, some bullet points of habit, habit forming products and or technologies, whatever you prefer. Habit forming something, and then. And I'm sure that's the thing you've been talking about for years. And then what you're excited about now with the the bullet points of your current book that you're releasing. Sure. So the bullet points for Hooked is that th there is a pattern to designing products that engage people, that form these habits. And not that every business needs to be habit-forming, but building a product that is habit-forming has some huge competitive advantages. I mean, if you think about... You know, uh, if if I asked your average listener right now, you know, who searched for who searched with Google in the past 24 hours, almost everybody would say they have. But if I say who searched with Bing in the past 24 hours, you know, maybe a couple people. And that's not because Bing is so much worse than Google or Google is so much better than Bing. In fact, third-party studies show that people can't tell the two apart if they don't know which brand is which. And so the the point here is that we use a lot of products and services not because one product is better than the other but that because we use them simply for out of habit, simply because of this mind monopoly. Uh, so there's this cold, hard truth that, uh, uh, that the best technology wins. And that, unfortunately, is, is not true at all. That's a lie, that uh, it's not the best technology that wins. It's the product that captures the monopoly of the mind, the product that we turn to with little or no conscious thought out of habit. That's the product that oftentimes captures the market. So given how important it is to form a, a consumer habit. Uh, how do you do that? And so that was my central question. I, I I didn't see a book that taught me how to build habit forming products, so I went out and wrote one. And I talked to a lot of academics. I, I talked to a lot of folks who built some of the most uh, iconic habit forming products out there, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack. Uh, and and I wanted to dive into the deeper psychology behind how you build these products. And it turns out there's a, there's a pattern that every hook. Uh, or so I should say every habit-forming product has a hook embedded into it. And that hook has four steps of a trigger, an action, a reward, and an investment. And so my book is really about those four steps. If you're building the kind of product that you need people to come back to, uh, if you need to form this, this unprompted user engagement with your product, how do you do that? Well, you, you go about following these four basic steps. And so I wrote the book um, not as a typical business book, you know, a lot of business books are full of like very fluffy stories and research and anecdotes. I really kind of wanted to cut to the chase because I, I've been a CEO twice. I know how hard it is to build a, a product that people will actually use. And so I wanted to make a very, uh, a book that you could read quickly, get to the point and, and answer these series of questions for people who are building these products to try and understand where their product might be deficient from a habit forming perspective and therefore how they can make it better. Oh. God, it's so like, oh, I'm so excited. Like I geek out over products so much and it's just so useful. And then you're like, all right, now that you know how people, now that I've told you, I've unlocked, here's the keys of the kingdom. This is how, you know, you hook people, right? This is how you create habit forming products. Now I'm going to tell you how to not be distracted so you can make habit forming products. Well, so that, this is the, this is the thing, right? So that, you know, the reason I got into this whole business in the first place is because I saw how these products affected me. Right, that I, I, you know, when I started my last company, we were in the advertising and gaming space, and I saw a lot of companies come and go. The Facebook platform was just starting to take off. This was 2007, 2008, and it was really starting to hit its stride. And I, I didn't, 
I didn't really understand how these products did it, right? Like why was Facebook so habit forming? Why was it so difficult sometimes to stop using the products? And so my, my, you know, there's one of my uh, writing mentors says that research is me search. And that's so true for me, right? I, 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 I wanted to know how to build these habit forming products so that I could help people live better lives through the products that I was making. But I also wanted to understand for my own sanity, why was it that sometimes I would overuse these products? And so they're two separate questions. They're connected, they're tangential, but they are two separate questions. So I, I, I'm not writing unhooked because I don't want to negate anything I said in hooked. I, I, I really truly believe in the power of technology to improve the world and to improve people's lives. The problem is that most technology companies out there, they don't suck us in the way Facebook and Twitter and Instagram might suck us in. No, most technology products out there suck. They're horrible, right? And right. so what I wanted to do in writing this book was to help those folks out there who, like me, when I was at my last company, struggle with building products that people actually use. And how wonderful would the world be if people actually use the products that we're building for them, right? That help them do the things they want to do in their life, but for lack of good product design, don't do. So I, I didn't write this book for, for the companies I just mentioned. They already know, you know, the gaming companies, Facebook, they already know these techniques. I wanted to write the book for everybody else out there who's building a product and needs people to, to use it in order to get the benefit of the product. Now, in the course of time, I also found that I was struggling with my own behavior. You know, sometimes I would overuse these products and not really understand how to get them under control. So, so once I understood the basic model behind how these products work, uh, I could start breaking the model where it didn't serve me. And so that led me down this path of, of what I'm working on now, this book called Indistractable, which is all about not, not just tech distraction, because what I learned, you know, I thought at first, well, you know, why are we so-called addicted to technology? Well, technology must cause technology addiction, right? Well, not really. It turns out that distraction is much deeper than just the technology we use. That the, the, the icky sticky truth that we don't want to face is that we're, when, you know, when we overuse something, uh, any product that's potentially addictive, you know, we're, we're using it for other reasons. It's not just the drug or the technology that gets us addicted. There's something else going on in us that blocks this, this natural circuit breaker that gets us to stop doing something once it hurts us. And so that's more of what I, I'm exploring in this book is that, okay, the easy answer is, oh, you know, these tech companies are all hooking me and, and, and then I, therefore I can't stop. But you know what? That's not really the answer. That's no. not really true. There's other stuff going on. Near. I am literally goosebumps, smile ear to ear right now, man. Like you, like the way, what you're talking about right now, like they're addicted to the value of, of, of what it brings. It's like, they're not addicted to Facebook. They're addicted to like the byproduct of, of the value of them being reinforced socially or whatever, whatever need that they want. Like I listen to a lot of the Tony Robbins stuff, right? So whatever human need that it's solving, that's what they're addicted to. They're addicted to that feeling that they're getting right. from it. So, so the thing is that, that it is, uh, you will find cases of people getting addicted to anything that solves pain. So anything that stops pain, people will get addicted to. Not everyone, of course, just like, you know, let, let's go to the extreme case. Let's take heroin, right? Or, okay. or even cigarettes. You know, people say, oh my gosh, heroin and cigarettes are, are very, very addictive, right? Everybody would agree that they're so addictive. Well, it's not actually true. If you think about it, you know, these substances do addict some people, but a very, very small percentage, you know, you know lots of people, millions of people go to the hospital and get disomorphine, which is better than street heroin, uh, when they go get surgery in the hospital, but they don't all come out as addicts. 
In fact, believe it or not, the majority of people who have smoked don't smoke in an addictive way. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're social smokers. They smoke once or twice or they smoke from time to time, but they're not necessarily addicted. Of course, some people do get addicted and the same goes for technology as well. And if we go on the other end of the spectrum, like let's go all the way from heroin to Tylenol, it turns out that some people get addicted to Tylenol as well. Very small proportion, but some people do get addicted. So, you know, the metaphor uh, that, that technology is like cigarettes, that I, I used to say this, I used to say in my talks that technology is the cigarette of this century. And I don't really believe that anymore. Uh, and the reason I don't believe it anymore is because it's not like cigarettes, like tobacco, where there is nicotine inside the cigarettes that, that can cause addiction. Technology is like smoking, but not like smoking tobacco. It's like smoking cannabis. That we know that cannabis doesn't have anything in it that's, that's chemically addictive. And yet, we know that 9% of people who smoke cannabis are addicted. But it's a behavioral addiction. It's yeah, you're not, addicted to the habit. Right, exactly. It's, it's not a chemical dependency. It's a behavioral dependency. And so this very small number of people, what they're doing is they have, depend, they have become reliant upon the fact that it solves some kind of pain in their life. And that's exactly what we see with technology products, that those who are really addicted, uh, there's something else going on. There's no addict with a happy story, right? Every addict has something else going on. Now, I say that not because most of us are addicted, because it turns out very, very few of us are addicted. But that the rest of us, sometimes we overdo these things and we need to understand the basic psychology of why we overdo these things so that we can get them under control. But it's very important that we distinguish between people who are actually addicted, who go overboard, and the rest of us who sometimes you know, just use them too much. Yeah, so if you understand the psychology of, of what's happening, that allows you to then have a set of tools to recognize and have awareness of when it's happening before that pain builds up momentum, right? Right, right. And, th and that we need to recognize that this is not a new problem, right? We Human beings have always struggled with distraction. Uh, Aristotle and Socrates talked about the nature of acrasia. This term acrasia means that we have this tendency to do things against our better interests. And that was 2,500 years ago. So the fact is, if it's not Facebook, if it's not you know alcohol, if it's not drugs, it's TV. If it's, uh, if it's not TV, it's the radio. If it's not the radio, it's, it's romance novels. You know, if you're looking for escape from discomfort, you will find it. Somebody will be happy to sell it to you. The question is, what kind of tools do you use to solve your pain? Do you solve your pain with something that improves your life, that, that helps you do what you want to do, what I call acts of traction? Or are, you, or are you using tools that move you further away from the life you want, what I call distraction? So that's really the answer is what do we do when we encounter these painful moments in our life? I'm taking notes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like acts of traction. Like that's, that sounds good. You know, one of the important things to be able to do to communicate effectively to people is to be able to provide memorable names to concepts. And I really like the acts of traction. That's really good. Thanks. Yeah. You can almost think of it like a number line that on one end of the spectrum, you know, going to the negative uh, end of the number line, you have distraction, which takes us away from what we want. And on the other side, on the positive side, we have traction. So traction and distraction. It's important to, to remember that both of those words end in the word action, reminding us that it's, it's what we do. It's not what happens to us. It's the acts that we take that defines whether it's a, a, an act of traction or distraction. That is correct. Like one of my, one of my favorite tidbits is, uh, decision means like to cut off from mm, like, right. to make a decision means to cut off from all other possibilities. 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's oh, that's, that's such a good origin behind the word. Cause you don't think of it as decision. You think of it as this light thing that you just pick. Oh, I'm going to pick a decision. I'm going to pick a decision. It's just like, no, when you decide on something, you're cutting off from all other possibilities. Right. Right. Yeah. Entomology. I love it. Yes. That I couldn't think of the word, man. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to throw it out there so bad. I was just, no, I was just going. Uh, that's yeah. the same that I, I looked for the Latin roots of, of traction and it's trahere, which means to pull. So that's why I, I, that's how I got this idea of the number line of traction versus distraction. Are you pulling towards what you want or away from what you want? And, and the thing is, it's nothing about the behavior itself, right? There's nothing that says that watching Netflix or going on Facebook is necessarily a distraction. In fact, in my day, I make time for those activities. I have time in my day scheduled to go on Facebook, to putz around on YouTube, to check out Reddit. It's no longer distraction if I plan time for it. Now it's, it's an act of traction because that's exactly what I want to be doing in that period of time. So the, the distraction is when you're being pulled away from something that you want to do. You're right, being pulled you on the really other end of that spectrum. That you really, so you have this, this goal or this outcome that you want to hit, and that's on one end of the spectrum, right? And, and, and you, your dot being on that far right side of the spectrum is you being fully engaged, taking complete acts of traction to, to hit the outcome. And then the distraction is literally the pulling of that dot down the spectrum to the other side where you're, where you're doing nothing towards your goal. Right. So it's not necessarily goal driven per se. What, what I would say is, you know, that there's this question that I think you're, you're, you're uh, hitting on, which is how do I know the difference, right? Like in the moment when you are using Facebook and when you don't want to be, and I'm sorry, I keep picking on Facebook, but I don't Pick know, it's been in the news a lot. So yeah. you know, when you, when you're doing something you don't want to do and you can substitute any distraction here, right? Uh, uh, drinking too much, watching too much TV, uh, you know, even reading too much, right? Anything that in the moment you find yourself sucked into, uh, you know, in that moment, if I came up to you and I said, hey, do you really want to be doing this? You'd probably say, yeah, I do. Uh, but so, so asking yourself in the moment whether you really want to do this is not the right question. What you have to do in order to tell the difference between what is traction and distraction is to plan ahead. That's the only way to tell the difference between the two is to ask yourself what you would regret doing uh, in that moment. And anything other than that act that you really want to do would be something you'd want to, you'd regret. So you have to plan ahead. And this, and this brings me to this really important point. You know, when I started studying this topic of distraction and, and technology, kind of, you know, this supposed addiction that we all have that I don't really believe we all are addicted, but, you know, a lot of people think this is the case. And then I asked people, I say, you know, you, 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 you told me how distracted you are and how impossible it is to get anything done. Can I see your calendar? can you show me your phone? And I want to see what you plan to do today. And they hand me their phone, you know, they open up their calendar app and it's empty, right? There's like big white open spaces throughout their calendar. And, yeah. you know, this brings me to the point that you, you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it is distracting you from. Oh, that's good. And in this day and age, if you don't plan your day, somebody else will. So the only way to, to know what is the difference between traction and distraction is to plan ahead, you know, to, to go about your day with a big open calendar and say, oh, you know, I didn't get anything done today. Well, guess what? You didn't plan to get anything done. Uh, and so we've got to make time. You know, in this, in this day and age, there's just so much out there that we can waste time doing. Uh, not that any one of these activities are so bad. It's just we, we shouldn't do them as a default state. We shouldn't do them when we can't think of anything else better to do. Uh, so in this next book I'm writing, Indistractable, I talk about how one of the first things we have to do is to actually plan out your day for where, you know, when you want to get done the things you want to get done so that you can tell the difference between when is it, when are you doing acts that are, are moving you forward, acts of traction, 
versus distraction. Oh man, everyone here in the office is smiling. And I'll tell you why. We've got this thing called the value tracker. Uh -huh. And it's a spreadsheet that we all share, nothing fancy. And we chunk the day into 30 minute chunks. You know, we copy and paste each new day. And then inside of every 30 minute chunk, we just have to do something that brings the company value. And so we have a literal list of 16 things every day that we do that moves us forward and value. And so at the end of the day, we can look at all those 30 minute increments and know exactly what we did inside of what blocks. And that's how we, we, it's not about restricting down to where you have such a tight list that you can't move and that it's like so rigid and rote and boring that there's no um, variety to it. It's about in every block, in every 30 minute chunk, we have to have an awareness of something we're doing that's helping us. Now, refueling yep. is an awesome one. That's eating lunch. Like <laughs> we refuel, yeah, oh, that's totally. like a recurring one. Like taking time, continuous learning is another one. We actually set in this block, we're gonna go learn something new. We're gonna learn how to edit the podcast better. We're gonna learn how to make the video better. Like we, we, we keep it, we go for walks. Right. Mm -hmm. We do. We'll do a block for walks and to be physically active because it's all the things that actually work and not just about the push, 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 right. hard, hard, hard lifestyle. It's it's like let's be effective in what we do. Right. No, I think you're a, you're you're a couple of steps ahead of the game already. I mean, it, this is something that very few people will actually bother to do, but I think is absolutely critical, especially in a team context, because. You know, we know that human beings, there's been study after study that find that people are terrible at estimating their output, right? So mm. if you've got to, you know, do a big presentation or write a blog post or whatever it is that you're working on, studies have found that you are pretty bad at estimating how long it's going to take you to actually complete it. Your, your, your studies have found that people, uh, you know, it takes people two or three times longer than they estimate to do most of the jobs that they think they have to do. So, so this brings me to this point that you can't plan output. You know, most people, they have a big to-do list and they say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And that's it. However, you know, day after day, they don't finish everything on their list because they're super bad at estimating one we all are. And they haven't made time on their calendar for when to actually do it. So the trick here is, is don't estimate your output. You should estimate and plan for the one thing that you can actually control, which is your input, the time itself. That you yes. do have control over. Uh, so that's where we have to, you know, you, you, for myself, I don't say, oh, I'm going to crank out, you know, a thousand words today. No, no, no. I say I'm going to spend two hours at my desk writing because that I can control. Yes. We, 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 uh, I, man, I love it. We call it, we often, before it was called the value tracker, we called it our to-done list. And the rule mm -hmm. is you don't get to make a list of things to do. Here's a block of time and you have to do something and put it in there. And list making very, very quickly eats up your 30 minute block and you've got nothing to put in there, but I made a list, you know, like mm -hmm. you, so people, we don't do that. We just say, all right, let's go do something that will improve what, what we want. And we know what our outcome is. So we just go take an action and we go put it in the thing and we say, all right, cool. And that's just, um, that's working for us so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what, what we have to be careful of is, is, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to plan because it takes so long. But then what they often find is that they run really, really fast in the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. I see that quite a bit. Well, that's why it's like at the, we have the outcome listed. So uh -huh. everyone's focused to do something in the block to hit that outcome. Yeah. And it's, and it's less about like the restriction. It's more about just the awareness of the time because, yeah, you know, some totally. days we don't hit it often, you know, it's not, and you look back and you're like, oh man, like we'll, we'll do better tomorrow. No, dude, you're awesome, man. I love the way you think. Thank you. No, this is this is great. When does the book come out? I don't know yet. Okay, that's fair <laughs> One enough. of those things out of my control, unfortunately. So it's going to be with the publisher for a while, but hopefully sometime this year. Okay, so you're expecting it this year. 
yeah yeah it's uh there's a lot of different uh, folks who have their hands in it so hopefully it'll it'll come out the sooner the better but i did post uh, i'll give you a link to uh, a talk i gave recently that i'm i'm happy to to share with you that kind of highlights the the basic model yeah please do because i'm excited we're actually going to i'm going to you have the audible right it's on audible the hooked and and the new one will be too yes yeah and did you did you do the voiceover for audible no i didn't i hired a, a voice actor you have a beautiful voice near. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. If I have any, <laughs> if I, I've, I've actually convinced three authors to do their own voice when they had already hired a person just by coming on the show only because I'm a huge audible fan, right? Here's my pitch. I'm a big audible fan. I listen to infinite audiobooks, right? It's just like, I don't, it's always playing around me. Right. And the people, when the author does it, if they have a good voice, which you do, it is just leaps and bounds like better it's it's yeah. so good yeah yeah i know you're right you're right I, so for the for the updated version i'm gonna after i finish in this i'm gonna write uh, a revised version of hook to update it and i i will yes. record i'll re-record it myself actually i, I record it so i self-published the book at first thinking ah you know whatever i'll just do it myself who's gonna buy yeah. it anyway and i recorded this podcast and speaking of like a good example of how we're really bad at predicting output <laughs> uh, you know, the book, the book's like 250 pages. I was like, okay, 250 minutes, ah, big deal. That, that won't take me very long. You know, an afternoon I can, I could do it. No problem. So I hired this, 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 uh, audio technician and we went to a studio and we recorded it and it took so much longer than I expected. <laughs> it took, I think it took like 18 hours or something that we spent trying to finish this thing. Cause you know, every time you read a book and you stumble and you stop, you got to go back and fix it. It just took forever. So um, so we, we, I, I did do my, my own recording, but then we had to actually leave the studio and we had to record it in my car cause the cl studio closed and there was like a train <laughs> noise in the background. It was awful. Yes. So I was like, Oh, I can't do that again. So I just hired somebody, but I think on the next version, I will, I, I will actually do it right and go to a, a real studio. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, we record stuff here in, in our studio and it took, it, it's taken a little practice, but if you listen to books by like Gary V or, I don't know any of any, Ray Dalio, any of the big books, and you listen to their Audible. I they it's really it's a lot more flexible than the yeah. actual book. They'll break the script and like inject something, and then they'll be more personable. It's it it took um I don't know it took like four or five hours for me to figure out how to record the book because it's you know obviously very different than the podcast because you have to read. But yeah. man, I'll tell you what I I love it. So we're we're just wrapping up our Audible version of the book right now. Nice. Yeah. And that might, I will never hire somebody again. I'll do it. Definitely. Next time I'll do it myself. Yes, dude. I'm telling you what <laughs> we found. I found that they the production houses or whatever they're called were pushing it onto the the author. Mm. They, were, they were not wanting the author to do it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, get out mm. of here. I'm like, yeah, you no, do I, it. I, I, I always prefer the author reading an audiobook. I'm, I'm a huge audiobook fan as well. I love it. We need to hear near, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to get out there into the world? No, I, I, I really appreciate the question. This was a, a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to me, you can check out my blog is at near and far.com near spelled like my first name N I R near and far.com. And, uh, my first book is hooked how to build habit forming products. You know, feel free to check that out. And, um, you know, if you, it's available on Amazon, but I don't really care if you find it somewhere that you can pirate it. That's fine with me. It's okay. I already got my advance. Just go get it. Build great stuff. I want to I see a lot of awesome habit-forming products out there that help people live better lives. 
oh man, that's why we produce the content we produce. We just want to change and improve and help the young next generation grow up into technology. And man, you're the best, Nier. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.